0: Here we go, my name's Todd This is Gabby Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio This is podcast number 528 Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio because you'll feel outstanding And who doesn't want to feel outstanding, for goodness sakes I do Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio, did I just say that? Yes (laughs) Can you tell I just woke up? Uh, Always remember our motto is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding Thank you, Dan Siegel For letting us steal that.
1: Speaking of, if you're listening to this, we talked to Dan Siegel a couple weeks ago. Yeah. On this podcast, I don't know if we promoted that enough, considering no. that he is the t- his his quote is our tagline.
0: Yeah, that's a, actually a good point, sweetie.
1: It was kind of middle of holidays. Well, plus
0: we recorded like a month earlier, so right. it kind of threw us off our game.
1: But if you haven't listened to the Dan Siegel episode, go back a few weeks. It's really good, and he's got a new book out.
0: He's kind of like the dungeon master, and we're playing the dungeon master game, sweetie. Ooh,
1: that's an interesting analogy.
0: That very few people will understand.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs>
0: Um, we have so. I, I'm trying not to be too heavy on the promotion at the beginning of the show. We have so much stuff coming up; it's not. I even know. Funny. Can we like do a quick like? All I right, mean, real first... quick. Okay. Yes. go. All right. We have a pop culture this Wednesday, or maybe even sooner. I, maybe I think we should just have it come out today. Yes. What are we gonna talk about?
1: We're gonna talk about the um, Oscar Cat- nominations. Academy Award nominations. Yeah.
0: Boom. Uh, I have my big weekend uh, for the Tribe Men's Group uh, Unplug, Connect, and Transform Retreat. Uh, no, but
1: that can't. People can't come to that. No it's space. Closed, right?
0: No spaces left. Right, okay. Um, we have Zen Talk next week on the 21st. I have a tribe meeting on the 29th. We're doing a screening. Is the tribe meeting virtual or real? That's real. That's in person. Any guys out there in Chicago, or labs. people identify as guys um, in Chicago, go to tribemensgroup.org to learn more. Navigate adolescent. We're host. We're not hosting a screening. We've been invited facilitate. to facilitate a discussion. Of an awesome movie that Kathy and I screen actually know her is called The Bystander Moment, and that's in Downer's Grove. That's January 30th. That's free. You are doing a raising a confident daughter at the library on the fourth of February. Yes. That's free. It
1: is. And someone I was just with a girlfriend of mine and she said another friend of hers said she couldn't come because it was only for younger kids or older kids and it's not for any certain age these are universal principles so if you have a daughter or you are like right now pregnant with a daughter or you have a daughter who is 20 or 25 or anywhere in between please come this but, is about but a four-year-old daughter can't come right <laughs> of course like they made me really laugh.
0: she might be running around and <gasps> no no, no i don't noise. mean bring your kid okay
1: i mean if you have one yeah okay any moms who have daughters if you are a mom or or dads dads can come too even though i know already it's going to be primarily women makes you say that um just kidding yeah i don't mean bring your kids i mean
0: no matter how old your daughter is you are welcome boom uh february 12th you are going to be in bloomingdale the title of your talk that is the glenbard series by the way it is Uh uh-huh it's just that's the location got it Mm -hmm. self-awareness self-compassion self-care Yep, that's for everybody. February 12th, uh, we have this thing called a Zen Parenting Conference on February 28th.
1: Yep, it's kind of our biggest thing ever.
0: Get your tickets now. We're about six weeks away. Um, Frank and I are going to be out at 1440 doing a workshop, uh, Tribe of Men, A New Vision of Masculinity. And then you and I are going to be back at 1440, October 23rd
1: through 25th. Wow. Doing a Zen Parenting Workshop weekend. So Oh, and cocktail. Well, we'll do that in a few
0: weeks. Yeah.
1: So Cocktail is a movie. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it. We watched, from, it,
0: watched it last night.
1: It's from 88. No,
0: 88. 88. This one's for you, Lindsay.
1: Yeah. Uh, we, we were talking about doing it, and then a friend on Team Zen is like, you got to do it. So you're not going to remember everything Todd said, so just go to zenparentingradio.com and click events, and you'll see everything there. You can register there. You can get more information, and you can get your tickets to the conference. And try All right. So before we launch into what we're going to talk about today, which is um, understanding our parts of self, our wounded parts, and why we get triggered. Mm. You and I talk about being triggered all the time, but sometimes people don't understand why they're being triggered, like where it's coming from. They just think it's the other person's fault for bringing something up.
0: Can I give you, before you keep going into that, Uh I want to give you my very uh, naive definition of being triggered. Okay. When the stimulus, when the reaction from a stimulus is much bigger than it ought to be
1: correct and so that is on the very like surface level that's what it means to be triggered and what we're going to talk about is why that happens so because you're saying that's what a trigger is you're the in
0: you're you're having
1: too much of an experience with what just happened i'm defining
0: the terms and then this podcast is going to be about why that happens
1: but before i ask that question or not ask that question, before I launch into that, um, an article in GQ came out about like three or four days ago, and it said, the one question you should never ask your partner. Ooh. What do you think that is?
0: Um, I just had a joke that came up in my brain. <laughs>
1: and you probably shouldn't say it?
0: Actually, it's kind of clean. It's from Wall Street, the movie. Okay. And Charlie Sheen is talking to his buddy at the office, uh-huh. and he goes, you still dating that girl? And he's like, no, no. She asked the wrong question. He's like, what was that? He's like, what are you thinking? And I'm always like what what did that mean? And it meant he was thinking that he should get out that that she should get out of the relationship anyways huh. it, it didn't translate
1: well, that is a I would call that a dangerous question yes, to say what are you thinking? I think that's a dangerous question to ask your children, yeah, to ask you, and when I say dangerous, I don't mean you shouldn't do it. I just mean, do you really want yeah. to know buckle up, buckle up because if they may be like, oh. I can share with you everything. And so now it's funny for me to say that because this is Zen Parenting Radio and all we talk about is talk to your children and Mm -hmm. communicate. What I mean is if your child looks really annoyed at you Mm -hmm. or they're, you know, you may not want to dive into that. Mm -hmm. You may just want to let them, you -hmm. know, and so I'm actually giving away the uh, answer to this question by even saying Well, the question
0: is about partnership, you said, right? It
1: is. It is. What is the one question you should never ask your partner? I don't know. Are you mad at me?
0: Ooh. Yeah, I mean, there's not not well. I don't know. It's not an awful question because it 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 creates some space. Let's assume the let's assume you're mad at me. Uh huh. And I don't think this. I would ask it. I don't know. I feel like I communicate a little bit differently, but it would at least give you the space to vent.
1: It would, and you know what I think because I read this article really quickly before we started was. They're kind of kidding in this article a little bit. I think what they're saying is, of course, your partner or your children, for that matter, are going to be angry with you sometimes and mad at you. And I think just asking the question, like when you say, are you mad at me? Mm -hmm. Just listen to how my voice is like. Uh, like well, it's, it's, if
0: I did something to upset you, if I was going to be an A-plus husband, yeah. I would already know what I did.
1: So that's part of it. So part of it is you should already know the yeah. answer to that question. The other one is is it sounds a little weak. Do you know what I mean? It sounds a little like uh, childish, childish yeah. better than weak. It sounds a little... Um, like you're, you need something. Mm-hmm. Like, are you mad at me? And like, if they're
0: mad, you shouldn't need anything. You should be owning your crap.
1: Correct. And so, I think a better way to go into this is just don't pose it as a question. I can tell that you're upset with me. Mm-hmm. There's a much, there's a strength in that yeah. that can maybe lead to a positive conversation. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and same with your kids. Instead of kids, are you mad at me? Mm-hmm. Which sounds like. They're going to be so much more annoyed at you for asking that question. Instead, I can tell you're frustrated with me. I can tell you're angry with me. Or if you know you've done something, you have a right to be angry with me. I disappointed you in this situation or whatever it may be. It's just a... Sweetie, you're giving people some tips. Well, uh, yeah. I just thought it was interesting because (laughs) they actually make it an acronym. A-Y-M-A-M. Is, the most, is love's most oh. um, forbidden question. And it will curse your relationship with the eternally vexing ancient spells of unsent chain letters. What the hell does that mean? Well,
0: and it's funny. I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm being a little snarky this morning, but yeah. I thought of another question that's probably worse. What? Did you sleep with her? That's worse. Did you sleep, Did you sleep with, him? with
1: him? Right. Oh, because if you're thinking someone's having a right. affair, there.
0: Yeah, there's some instability in the relationship if somebody's asking that question. So I think right. I just... Had a better question than GQ did.
1: Um, how about, or him or her? Him or her. Depending on who's asking the question. That's a question, that's what Danny asks in About Last Night. <laughs> Doesn't he? Yes. When she's like, yes. no, Dan, that's when we were bowling partners. That's
0: uh, that's when they're in the bathroom.
1: Correct. To yeah. me. Um, You've got to okay. put
0: that on the uh, pop culturing list. It's
1: on the list. The only reason I'm nervous about doing About Last Night is because... It really is just no. One it's small. gonna be for
0: me. It's gonna be for me and you and like ten other people. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, but I, Kevin Rogers wants me. Wants us to do. Oh, it. Oh, really? So, yeah.
1: Well. I think it's still one of, like, if you look at the best movies from Chicago, it's still in the top ten. I just think people who live in Chicago got really into Chicago movies, like all the John Hughes movies and mm-hmm. About Last Night and everything. And The Fugitive, of course. I think if
0: we listed it out, I don't know if it'd be in the top ten. If you think of all the movies that took place in Chicago, all the John Hughes stuff, you put About Last Night in the top ten? I would. mm
1: and, and I mean, not because of the amazing cinematography, but because it was a great Chicago
0: movie. For sure. Don't play, you think they captured it? Oh, they it? played 16-inch softball. Yes. Everybody's like, what are they doing?
1: Well, and that's the funny thing is the reason that you and I love it is we really did all those things. Sure. I really rode my bike while wearing overalls. Yeah, and, like Deb. Like Deb. And then found you playing a baseball game. But no, that really didn't happen. But it could have. Okay, so that's the question. So are you ready to go into our parts of self?
0: I guess I'm just kind of impressed, not impressed, surprised that you did a webinar. You're not a webinar type of chick. Chick.
1: (laughs) Well, I am. It's not.
0: Have you ever done a webinar before? Yeah. Oh, you have? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I've done some work stuff, but not into webinars. Well, here's the
1: thing. I will do a webinar. Okay. It was gifted to me Mm -hmm. by someone that I respect very much. And she and I were having a conversation about all this information. And she was like, you should go into this for yourself, because you'll think it's interesting personally, meaning yeah. you'll get something from it. And she also said it'll help your therapy practice. Yeah. And, um, and I agree with her and, and I'm actually only going to give you the tip of the iceberg, tip of the iceberg. Like this was a very in-depth, like this is, this How long was is it? for therapists, this webinar. Um, it was 80 minutes.
0: So what if somebody wants it? Wants well, somebody's not a therapist who's listening, oh, can it's they do That's a good it?
1: question. Um, I think they'll take their money. I, that's a very good question. I don't, maybe we'll have to put it in the show notes because I have, um, oh, you know what I can say that it's from the, um, developmental needs meeting strategy, uh, website. And that's DNMS developmental needs meeting strategy
0: website. We'll put it in the show notes. So just click on it there.
1: All right. So this webinar, this thing that I learned was, it was all about our wounded selves. So Todd and I talk about being triggered all the time and we use it very flippantly. Like, oh, when you said that, you know, and it was was a trigger and I got really upset. But when that happens, why does that happen? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on in us that we actually get triggered? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, if you're dealing at the real surface level, you really think it's the other person's fault. Sure. You look at the person across from you who said something like, are you mad at me? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, whatever it may be. And you get, you blame them for whatever you're feeling. Um, but really what's going on is you have, we have certain parts of ourselves, okay? So we have our healthy parts, which is basically, and when I say healthy parts, like these selves that live inside of us that are very attuned to our needs and attuned to other people's needs. Um, They have been, um, during childhood, these parts of us were consistently maybe loved and attuned um, into healthy relationships. And so those parts of us, like, how do I want to say, they... Were able to be matured, mm. okay, in a healthy way. Now, let me say this, because this is this is why I only wanted to talk about these three things, because this can get really challenging for for someone who doesn't um, work with people in a therapy manner. So we have a lot of different selves, meaning that there can be parts of us that. Are healthy because of our experiences with a caregiver, and we could have had experiences with that same caregiver and been wounded. Right? Does does that yeah. make sense? Right. So there may be parts of like, say, we had a parent who was really attuned to our needs when it came to school, mm-hmm. and they were really supportive and helpful and loving, and we were able to develop this really strong sense of self around our our educational needs and our ability to learn because of that interaction with that caregiver but that same caregiver shamed us about our romantic
0: relationships so basically you're saying there's a mom or a dad out there who did awesome but in this one aspect they for whatever reason we were wounded correct okay
1: so that's what so why i
0: I use the word healthy parts is Mm -hmm. there's parts of us all of us have healthy parts yeah Um, um real quick so this might help if somebody thinks of a trigger that they have as they're hearing you talk. So for me, a trigger might be something that's historical. It's about a person in your life and something that you've been stuck on for a while. Right, which is
1: kind of the last part of what I'm talking about. Because I want to get to why it happens in the first place. Okay. okay? So let me talk about our wounded parts. They are created or formed in reaction to an overwhelming traumatic event in a wounding relationship, okay? So these wounded parts of us are stuck in the past, they're stuck in these painful emotions, and they they still hold negative beliefs about ourself and the world, um, and these wounded parts of us are what engage in inappropriate behaviors, mm-hmm. okay? If that be acting out or this whatever. This is what shows up. Yeah, because they have like a maladaptive point of view, you know what I mean? Like they have, so say that you were wounded, mm-hmm pretty significantly when you were seven or that's when it began. Mm-hmm. It may not have been the only time, but yeah. that's when it began. That part of you is stuck there. Yeah. Okay. So when you get triggered from a place, you go back, you go back there. So seven year old. Exactly. And then you respond from that maladaptive point of view. What I mean by maladaptive is at seven, you don't understand how the world works. Sure. You don't know that you're actually really safe because at seven you weren't, mm-hmm. you were completely dependent vulnerable, on somebody else yeah. and
0: vulnerable. But
1: you as an adult are still reacting, you know, like a seven year old.
0: So again. So this, let's say I'm 47. My 47 year old self shuts down in a, in a moment and my seven year old self shows up.
1: Correct. And I want to get deeper into that after I make sure that these two things are de- defined. Again, healthy parts are these parts of us that had had positive experiences. We were in, you know, connected attuned relationships and it can be with caregivers or teachers or coaches typically we can develop healthy parts from anybody mm-hmm. okay meaning a relationship with a grandmother um, friendships whatever it may be but oftentimes our wounded parts are from our significant caregiver right. okay it could be from other people like you know a coach or a grandmother a teacher but a lot of times the woundedness we experience and the wounded parts become wounded parts, because our caregiver didn't meet our needs, Mm -hmm.
0: okay? So real quick, Dan Siegel, we interviewed him two weeks ago. Uh Something happens, he talks about secure attachment. In order for something for us to feel secure in our childhood about something happening, we need to feel safe, Uh seen, Uh and soothed. Correct. I'm guessing these wounded examples that we may or may not talk about today, we did not feel either safe, seen, or soothed, or none of the three of them. So,
1: correct. Either there was, and I'm going to get into that in a a second, like what the wounding was. Yeah. But you're absolutely correct. This is good to like bring in other people's research Mm -hmm. the way you are so people can remember our old podcast and bring it into this understanding. Because honestly, what I'm talking about today, it's not necessarily brand new, but it takes you to a different level of understanding where your wounding comes from and then what happens, okay? So again, the reason that you have to understand that you have healthy parts and wounded parts, like some people will say, I'm just all wounded. That's not true. You have healthy parts within you that have the capability to live in the present moment as a mature adult. But there are parts of you that are wounded that might be loud, Yeah. okay, because that seven-year-old who is wounded or that 14-year-old or that 12-year-old or two-year-old is very, maybe has a outsized personality right now Mm -hmm. in whatever experience you're having where they are asking they, they are asking to be seen, and they are the they are what you call your wounded parts. But you in your entirety have access to a healthy sense of um, adulthood, too. It's just who's in control in the moment,
0: okay? And there's some people who their mature adult self is in control 99.9% of Absolutely. the time. And there's other people, famous or otherwise, that are they're, – they're wounded – is probably in control 99.9% of the time
1: sometimes for people their wounded part is it takes it, it takes the lead on center stage yes yeah. and and you know I think that that's kind of how we can see it is we know like you know after your wounded part comes out or after you're triggered or after you yell and then 30 minutes later you're like what was that? Mm. It's almost like you feel like you didn't know who that was. Well, that was the wounded part of you taking over, and when you and the person saying, "What was that?" Mm. That's your adult, healthy self going, "What was? You know, how, how did you take over?"
0: So, what's interesting is if you're in a relationship with a significant other and you and and you feel like that this is kind of out of whack.
1: What they're saying to you. So, so doing... let's
0: say that I'm just acting like a seven-year-old in every way. Mm-hmm. The invitation for the other person, in this example would be you, is um, don't react to it because you know that you're not talking to me in that moment. I'm talking to you. You're talking to, talking your to seven my seven year old seven-year-old self. Exactly. So you need to talk to me as if, not as if I'm a seven year old, but create the space for me to do it and then once i get back to my my adult self then we can have a productive conversation talk
1: to somebody who is speaking from their wounded self with the compassion that yeah. you would speak to a child with. It. so it's like you're not gonna eat. the worst thing you could do is talk down to that wounded self because that wounded self feel like my wounded parts that come out because they do come out sometimes feel very righteous Mm -hmm. because my wounded parts feel like they have had to take care of themselves for a really long time and that nobody has seen them or acknowledged them. Mm -hmm. And so if you talk to my wounded parts in a condescending way,
0: they'd be pissed at you. Well, what's interesting is uh, sometimes the wounded parts can come off in attack mode. Uh, Absolutely. It usually does. It usually does. And it's really hard for the other person... Because then all of a sudden it triggers our stuff. Of course. So then we have two people being triggered.
1: That is the definition of a fight. Yes. (laughs) When two wounded parts are like, you know, I, and again, let's bring in other people's research. This is what Eckhart Tolle calls the pain body. Mm -hmm. When two pain bodies are fighting with each other, it is their wounded parts having an argument. Mm -hmm. And pain bodies love to have a fight. Wounded parts love to be heard. Now- the, I'm not going to get into this today, but wounded parts can be heard compassionately rather than through a fight. Right. Meaning this is why we have to understand the difference between our healthy selves and our wounded selves. And the reason I'm using plural is because we have many different parts of ourselves. So we have, it's not just you're a healthy self or a wounded self. There's many wounded parts. You
0: know, what's interesting is as you're talking, I'm obviously thinking of one-on-one relationships, uh-huh. but this happens between countries.
1: Yes, it, it, it's, like micro a col- macro. it's like
0: a collective.
1: Exactly.
0: Like this country has these pain bodies and exactly. they're going to react differently because of all the crap that they happen exactly. when their country was younger. Yep. And, so
1: it, and they're wounded from that. Yeah. You know, so any of you who are watching The Mandalorian, okay, so The Mandalorian always looks back every time he has a certain experience of getting his metal made mm-hmm. for his armor mm-hmm. and sees his trauma from his childhood, right? He has an experience when he's being, when he's having his Mandalorian armor made that reminds him of when he was brought into the Mandalorian, you know, group guild. Guild, that's right. Um, what do the Mandalorians say? This is as it is. What do they say? This is I no, not that know
0: one, That one guy Played by Nick Nolte Says After he's done talking He goes I have spoken
1: I have spoken But the Mandalorians Say something too They have a quote You should look it up um, But anyway So And he looks back And remembers his trauma And then The choices he makes Are they're, They end up being good ones in some, But they're based on his trauma Right Right You know Little baby Yoda Goes back and get him Todd is not a
0: huge fan of the Mandalorian. I was really excited and I'm just... He's trying. I'm trying.
1: Okay. So anyway, the distinction between the healthy parts and the wounded parts is important because it's your healthy parts that are going to help your wounded parts. Yeah. Okay. So why I'm saying that is you need to understand that if we can get our healthy parts shored up and understand that they have power too, then they can help support, not push down, not repress, not deny or scold or shame, but support... Our wounded parts. Okay. Mm. So let's get into wounding and what it is. Okay. Okay. So there's two types of wounding. There's relational wounding, which is inflicted by a person. Okay. So that makes sense, right? Yeah. A person does something hurt to you. Right. Hurts something to you verbally yeah.
0: or... Um, Emotionally, physically, whatever.
1: Yeah. Sexually, you know, or... Um, Physically, yes. Thank you. And then non-relational wounding, which is caused by something that's maybe outside of us, like you had, like what's happening in Australia Mm. with the fires Mm. or a tornado or a car accident or something that was non-relational, but was significantly traumatizing and wounding. And I was telling you this last night at dinner, but sometimes the worst part of a non-relational wounding is a failure of people to meet the needs after Meaning you had this horrible experience with like a car accident and everyone's like, get over it.
0: Yeah, move on.
1: Non-relational wounding then now has a relational wounding component because humans didn't meet your needs. Got it. And so you can see how it gets compounded. Sure. Like how you have this... Thing and then human beings don't know how to help you and support you. So, um, of course, the most substantial relational wounding, relational meaning from another person, occurs in childhood when we're young and we're dependent on people and we're vulnerable. and And that's why it usually happens and
0: comes from caregivers. Would it be fair to say that that let's say that there's an action, you know, some kid gets yelled at by his dad. Correct. It's more impactful in a in a bad way, if you get yelled at as a five year old versus a fit, like the older your brain grows, don't you think that not that there's any good or bad to uh, somebody being verbally abused? But don't you think that it's more impactful, the younger you are? Or no,
1: that's a good question. I don't know any research on that.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm not close to a scientist, But I'm guessing that at the tender age of four would have more of an impact than If it was brand new at the tender age of 14.
1: Well, the only reason that I would say that's not a guaranteed is because of brain development. And a four-year-old's brain development, it it may not be. Oh, it may
0: not land.
1: Exactly. Like where a kid who is 10, who now has abstract thinking, is more Hmm. fearful because they can see all the sides of a situation. Like a four-year-old may be like, well, that's black and white. I'm wrong. They're right. Whereas a 10-year-old, you're like, wait a second. What you said doesn't match up with what you do, and so. But I don't know, Todd. I don't know the research on that. So, two other pieces of language which that can be helpful. So, childhood wounding can happen in two ways: either an attachment wound, when someone important like repeatedly says something to you that is um, like messages that are rejecting or neglectful, or even a enmeshing. Like, here's what's so interesting. Too close. Exactly. Like, I read a book um, over break called Wild Game, and it was about this girl who was 13, who her mother was decided to start having an affair and not only told her daughter and, like, brought her into it, but had her daughter help her with the affair. So
0: her mom. That's a little messed up
1: became like said to her daughter, isn't this amazing? You know, he, he kissed me and he, he wants me to go on a walk with him on the beach today. Will you start our walk and then leave so we can go on a walk? So the daughter at 13 felt like, right. But at 13, she felt like, Oh, I'm my mom's best friend. Mm -hmm. Like I feel special because my mom wants me to be a part of this. And that's, that's an enmeshment where you're like, you can't, figure out you, you can't separate between you and your mom. Like you think that you're like in it together and that every, and that your mom depends on you for her needs and you depend on her for your needs and you can't separate between. Sure. And so a lot of times, like, you know, I could envision as I was reading the books, I always read it with like, I thinking about what other people are thinking is that some people may be like, wow, that mom really was good friends with her daughter. I mean, we all know it's inappropriate and wrong, but that mom thought she was being good friends with her daughter, but you're not supposed to do that with your daughter. That is not only are you making a poor choice in your own life, but you are then bringing your daughter into something that is going to hurt her in the future. Like in the book, there's, I'm not going to ruin anything, but there's a part where she goes off and she's like older, 18, 19, and she tells a friend for the first time how she helped her mom. And the friend is like, that's messed up. (laughs) And the girl's like, it is? Yeah.
0: Like, she didn't even know. Well, and that's so funny, not to go down this rabbit hole, but so glad that, that in that example, the person has a friend that that speaks very clearly. Like, dude, yes. that's messed up. That's messed up. Because there's a lot of friends that would be like, you know, in their mind, right. Withhold. And then the girl would think moving on that it was normal. So it
1: well, is. and it's funny. The girl got mad at him. Oh, wow. And then he asked the question, are you mad at me? No, Ooh. he really didn't. <laughs> Just making that up. No, she asked. She did get mad at him because she was like, you of can't course. you can't threaten the relationship no. between my mom and I. Yeah. Like she was like, this is sacred. And when it's that, again, I you can see, I, nobody can see this, but I'm like making my hand into a fist. When it's that enmeshed. Then there's you don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. You don't have individuation. You're not separated. So, anyway, so an attachment wound is rejecting, neglect, neglectful, enmeshing, shaming, or just this is my favorite: just misattuned. Yeah, where you maybe were in a family where nobody got you. Mm-hmm. They like they weren't attuned to you. They didn't neglect you. They maybe never even shamed you. Mm-hmm. They just didn't get you. And that misattunement can be an attachment wound sure because you're kind of wandering around you're the outsider you are
0: maybe black sheep may not be the best term i I think it works just different than everybody else you're in the family
1: exactly like you're going along for the ride with everybody but you're like they don't really know me
0: well it's funny like i think of enneagrams now like let's say you got a family of twos and threes and then all of a sudden an eight shows up exactly
1: Exactly. And and then not only, you know, you and I are talking about it in terms of like, oh, all these people are different, but some families don't believe anyone should be different. Right. Be like
0: me. Well, that's part of our ego. Like the way I view this world is the proper way to view the world. Correct. So the minute somebody shows up that views the world differently, it's threatening to us.
1: And this is why we struggle with things like gender identity or sexual identity or political identity, we're like, you can't be yeah. anything but what I am.
0: Right. Cause I'm almost I'm positive I'm right. So if you're doing something differently than me, then you're wrong and I'm right.
1: Exactly. And so we th- this is and this can create at a young age when a child is trying to find themselves and individuate and maybe they're dressing in a certain way or talking in a certain way or have certain activities or they're playing Dungeons and Dragons in the basement with their friends. Yeah. Like
0: you I love D um
1: and there's a there's a thought of who are you yeah like you you're well, it not probably like scares us. us a little bit like
0: hey this is not normal so as I'm, parents you mean right yeah
1: mm-hmm.
0: um can i really quickly talk about our partner of the Sure, week? absolutely uh prodigy we're big fans prodigy is the online math platform loved by more than 50 million students grades one through eight and another 1.5 million teachers worldwide that's saying something This effective, engaging game takes kids through a fantasy world of epic battles and adventure where success is all about answering curriculum-aligned math questions so the kids can learn while they have fun. Prodigy is entirely personalized, meaning it can be tailored to your own child's skill set and needs. Parents can even track progress, get a better understanding of strengths and weaknesses, send rewards, and help keep the motivation and support going so you stay an active part of your child's education. Help your child learn to love math by signing up for your free Prodigy parent account today. Visit prodigygame.com/slash Zen parenting and click get your free account to get started. I'll also put this link in the show notes. Right.
1: Okay. So right before you did that, I was talking about attachment wounds, which basically are messages from our caregivers. The other one is a trauma wound. A trauma wound forms when someone is physically or sexually threatening or abusive. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's more of a uh, physically or sexual. Yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. Physical would be more the umbrella. Sexual is more specific, but probably even more. Obviously, that not not that a kid
1: detrimental get, traumatizing
0: yeah like more lasting impact of mm-hmm. a sexual wound versus some kid who got you know got their hair pulled or Correct. something like that.
1: And that's the thing is the talking about all these wounding. You know, we don't need to put them in order of significance because wounds are wounds. It's just we can see how maybe something makes a more significant lasting impact yeah. or a real like you can understand if if you had an experience with molestation when you were seven. Sure, that wound at seven is going to be pretty significant, mm-hmm. as, as meaning like, and then we can we could talk about this at a later time. But the memories of seven are probably very strong. Mm-hmm. You can. You know anytime we've had a trauma, our brain takes a picture mm-hmm. literally like a snapshot and
0: or sometimes the opposite they repress it and you can't find it at all right
1: yes and no okay. so this is this is why it gets tricky because there is no absolute mm-hmm. um. Our brain did take a snapshot. Now, oh. our mind may want to repress it, meaning you may not want to look at it, it's but funny. it's in there. It's
0: funny how you're talking about the difference between your brain and your mind. Yes. That's a whole other podcast. It's so, it,
1: this is, it's so intricate. <laughs> this is layered. So here's what's so funny is last night I was like, Todd, I want to talk about this, um, but I know I won't get through it. And we are on the first paragraph. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so just, and and I'm only going to go through one more paragraph. Like yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go deep into this because it's so Intricate. yeah. And this webinar was for therapists who yeah. already have all this baseline knowledge of understanding trauma. And this is just helping see it from another direction and also helping the individual self-soothe.
0: Well, maybe we'll do part two. Maybe uh, we will. Maybe we'll do two of them.
1: Okay, so, so far we've talked about our wounded parts, our healthy parts, our relational wounding, our non-relational wounding, attachment wounds, which is, as you remember, the you know messages we get or the trauma wounds, which is the experience that we had of physical or sexual threatening or abusive behavior. Um, So um, relational wounding always includes a message. The message may be conveyed verbally or non-verbally. And this is important because sometimes nobody said anything to us, but we know how people feel about it. Mm. These are the parents who are passive aggressive, who like or ignore or roll their eyes Mm -hmm or don't have any emotional affect to their children. It's like, imagine you draw a picture and you come in and you go, I drew this picture. And the parent goes, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's no, so they didn't say to you, that's a horrible picture. Yeah, They just, there was no connection. Right. And the reason why that's important is the personally speaking and also the clients that I work with sometimes we struggle with this whole wounding thing because we're like, no, my parents took care of me and they were there and they were home and they fed me and I was never neglected, but there was something, there was some misattunement. Yeah, and it's not about making your parents bad people.
0: No, because they're wounded too.
1: Correct. Thank you. They are doing the best they can. This is because they had
0: a, parents that were even
1: maybe more misattuned. Yeah, or yeah. they were more uh, well, literal trauma. And
0: that's my hope. I just hope from one generation to the next that we get a little bit more tuned than the generation before.
1: Absolutely. And we have to remember, for us Gen Xers who are listening, our parents came from the Depression.
0: No, 40s and 40s Our and 50s. parents' parents yes. came from
1: the Depression. Thank you. I need one more. Um, our parents, but what I meant by that is our parents are products of, of the Depression. People that grew up in the Depression. So they had, as a generation, a non-relational Trauma. Mm -hmm. So that whole generation
0: were wounded. It's a collective wound.
1: Exactly. So what does that look like? Means our parents. My mom had food in the basement. Yeah. Because her parents, my grandparents, had cans of every kind of food you can think of. They pickled cucumbers. They had peaches. Why? Because
0: if the banks went on a bank run then everybody lost their job exactly. and there's nothing to eat
1: so our parents grew up with what their parents experienced and then our parents still had the residual with us mm-hmm. and so is that the only thing no but that's one non relational thing well you think about it,
0: and then our parents grew up in the 50s and the 60s correct Uh, which is just post-World War II and then civil rights and the Kennedys getting shot and Martin Luther King. Like, that's messed up. And then we grew up in the 80s. Where Adam Walsh was taken, which sometimes Cold War. Cold War. And you know, we get scared of the world in a different way. So we insulate our kids to the point where they can't even go to the park. Go to the park. So, you know.
1: And so these are the non relational wounds, like these are the more the wounds that we experience maybe as a culture. And then and that might also relate to what's going on inside the home. And then we also have the attachment wounds, which may be more literal and focused on us, which may have to do with the those non-relational experiences but they are maybe coming through with words or harshness or shaming. Yeah. So, okay. So, let's move on to this will be the last part because we're not going to overwhelm people with this information. So, getting triggered. You've kind of already described it in a bunch of different ways, but parts of self Get stuck in time when a significant wound is inflicted, as I already said, especially in childhood, because we're so vulnerable and we can't do anything about what's happening to us. At the same time, the brain makes a recording, I already said this, of the event and the painful message. Okay? So these recordings get activated and played back. Mm. So what happens is a triggering event is one that activates a recording of an old painful event and message.
0: But you don't know that you're looking at a recording or you're experiencing a recording. You just think that that's what is.
1: Exactly. So what happens is when the recording plays back, it activates a part of yourself wound that was wounded that it feels similar to what happened in the mm-hmm. past. Okay. So it's you're feeling so it brings up all the original emotions like fear, anger, shame, despair, um, the powerlessness, which is definitely the feeling that really can trigger me. Um along with, this is the important part, along with the irrational negative belief that's connected to the event. So like, I'm unlovable, Mm -hmm. or I'm inadequate, or again, unsafe or powerless. And these intense emotions, they create an illusion that this experience is happening right now, because it feels like it's happening right now, because the something, you say something. Okay. Let's just put this into, you say something to me, like, what did you just say? So your tone of voice sounds like you don't really care what I just said, that you really weren't listening to what I just said. And all of a sudden in my brain, a play button pushes. And the feelings that I have are about, I say things and nobody listens to me Nobody understands me. The feelings that come up are he didn't he doesn't care anyway. What I has to have to say isn't true or isn't valued and all of a sudden, I am back in that time where and, and i don't have like here's the thing you guys some people like to be very literal. The thing you have to understand with therapy and with psychology is it's a general picture, meaning when even when we take a snapshot of a traumatic event. We don't have all the details down. Right. We may not remember what have happened five minutes before. We may not even experience the traumatic event in the way that it actually ha- happened. happened. This is why we have to understand women who have been traumatized who come forward with a story.
0: And they screw some stupid detail up. Some detail up. And a lawyer calls them a liar.
1: Exactly. When really their snapshot took a picture of the way they felt Mm -hmm. and they only saw things in the way they could see it in that moment of time.
0: Well, and if nothing else, we know that memory is not reliable.
1: Exactly. What's reliable are the feelings that we had while something was happening. And I know that's not great for lawyers Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I know that's not great for proving a case (laughs) but this is how the brain works and taking it off of the law for a second this is how we are experiencing things when we are interacting with each other this is why you can almost see somebody completely change when you say something Mm -hmm. that triggers them
0: well it makes me think of like you know my 47 year old self is driving the car down the road and all these parts of myself are sitting in the back seat and then all of a sudden something happens out on the road and the unlovable part of me that's sitting in the back seat shoves me offside and starts driving the car.
1: Absolutely. And it takes over and your healthy part is still there somewhere. Hopefully like here's the thing about triggers. There's different layers of being triggered. There is being like, I think my triggers probably because I'm, I know that they can get bigger in certain situations, especially if I'm tired, or especially if it's been a long day, or I feel like things are piling up, the triggers can be stronger. But most of the time when I get triggered, my I'm just using this as an example, my seven year old shows up, but my healthy self self is still in control. Meaning, I will say something to you like, I'm feeling like you totally didn't listen to me. And my healthy self is still speaking. It's my seven year old self, though, that's like, hold on, yeah. I feel like you're not hearing me. Now, I'm again, you guys can't see my hands. This would be nice if it was like a YouTube video. But sometimes the tr- the wounded self starts to get a little bigger than your healthy parts, your healthy adult self. And it. this is when it takes over. Mm-hmm. This is what like road rage becomes, where you've lost yourself.
0: Just because somebody cuts you off.
1: You just jump out of the car and you are in a completely different zone and your adult self, your healthy parts, are not even online anymore. Yeah. Okay. And then there's places in between. Sure. Like I think the places in between are when we are having a fight with someone else Mm. where we come out of it and we're like, I don't even know why I said that. Yeah. Because our 10 year old said that or our 12 year old said that, you know, our wounded part said it and our healthy self no longer had the reins or like Todd said, was no longer driving the car. Right. So this conversation. Like I'm not going to throw any more language at you guys, because I know that even though we've talked about these things, it can get, it's, it's dense. It's like, this is two paragraphs that I've offered you guys of this whole webinar. And this is how intricate it can get, but understanding why a trigger occurs rather than it's your fault for making me feel this way. No, somebody said this and it started a recording in you, a playback that made you feel a certain way like you did when you were wounded.
0: So I feel like step one is know that there's a recording in your mind or your brain that exists.
1: Many recordings.
0: Yeah. Step one, know that, that there is this thing called these wounds that are going to show up at certain times, because if you can at least know it, because most, not most, a lot of people out there don't know, don't believe it, don't know it. They just, they become it.
1: Not only do they become it, but they blame the person across from them for whatever happens next, you know, going to extremes, domestic abusers say things like, you made me mm-hmm. hit you. Right. I yeah, it, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. You made me do it. Right. Their wounded self comes out, hurts someone, and then they blame the person they hurt. Yeah. That is a pretty um, extreme situation where the adult self is not present yeah. at all. Um, whereas if we understand, it's not about, blaming ourselves. This is not about blame or shame. They, as we all know, everybody who listens to Zen Parenting, blame, shame, and fear don't work in changing our behavior. What it is is acknowledging it and realizing it that we are healthy self. And this is you know, phase two of this understanding that we'll get to some other time, can soothe that part of us
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was wounded in the past. When that wounded self comes up, we can actually recognize what you're feeling right now is not really happening. What's happening in this moment is just this moment. All the feelings and fears that are being triggered, that's not what's really happening. But because we think that's what's really happening, we respond from that place. And I'm simplifying something that takes years. Not only that, but our wounded selves, they never really go away. Mm -hmm. They just get recognized and acknowledged and they get the love and connection they deserve. Because my seven-year-old self, who comes up and says, that's not okay, and I'm tired of taking care of myself and doing all this by myself, needs my adult self to go, you're right. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have had to do that by yourself. And I'm here now, and I, you can go play.
0: It reminds me, at Mankind Project, I learned about shadow. We're talking mm-hmm. about shadow here, basically. And which I think is a yeah, it's Jung
1: another term. way. Mm-hmm.
0: And they talked about how when your shadow uh, has two ways of interacting with you, sometimes your shadow comes from behind, and just like grabs you and tackles you and all that. Whereas if your shadow is in front of you, you can face it of and course. look at it. And that's exactly what you're saying yeah. is um, we have to be aware that this exists and that is one small step to putting your shadow in front or your wounds in front of you yes as a because if you're not like in awareness that they're there they're just going to you tackle you you from behind.
1: Well, and this is why the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding, because if you are not self-aware, if you don't even know what your wounds are, Mm -hmm. if you really are blaming your children for the way you feel and your fear and you're saying, child, you're causing my fear, especially if it's, you know, it's blown out of proportion or irrational, or you're in a marriage and you're looking at your partner and saying, you do everything wrong. You don't make me feel good. You don't make me feel safe. Now, Again, every situation has its own story. Maybe in some ways that is true, that something is happening in present time that's not okay. But a lot of the reasons we don't feel safe or seen or heard are because of our wounded parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that a lot of things that I've spoken to Todd about, I am vocalizing something that I did not have the ability to vocalize in my childhood, and it's not caused by him but it's being triggered. Stimulated. By him. Yeah, right. And so when I'm sharing with Todd, I'm not saying you need to change. There's something wrong with you. I'm saying when you don't hear me, I feel vulnerable and powerless and unseen and misattuned because that's a wound of mine. So he's just thinking, yeah, I'm, yeah, what? what I was I was distracted. Yeah, right. he's distracted where I have an experience with it that's way out of whack from my history.
0: So if nothing else, I just want people that are listening to know that when that happens in your example, if I come to Kathy in a pl- from trying to talk to her when she's triggered and she goes to her seven-year-old self and I talk to her as if she's a mature adult, 47-year-old self, it's not going to work. Um,
1: Yes. Well, if I respond to her it, it, because the thing is you got to be careful because you don't want to be condescending. You don't no. want to be like, oh, poor baby.
0: You have, to go, you have to, if you're lucky enough to be above the line, you need to come at it from a place of openness, curiosity, yes. compassion. love, compassion. Yes. yes, that's true. Because what happens is when anybody in front of us gets triggered, it is really hard not to get triggered back. Of course. And that's the work. And I've been thinking a lot about meditation. And I meditate, if I'm lucky, 10 minutes a day. And I was thinking about... If I was, let's say, I'm just some monk on a mountaintop who meditated, you know, 12 hours a day. I'm just guessing that that person would be really, really calm versus somebody who never meditates at all. And it's just, can we, can I put myself in the position that the more that I get still, mm-hmm. the more likely it is that I'm going to be able to. Be still when you show up in your seven-year-old self.
1: Because you can break it down to what's happening in meditation is there's two different things you're experiencing. One is present moment, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you can be in the present moment with somebody rather than you being pushed back to your childhood sure. and your wounds, then you can hear them. The other part is A meditation is you notice all the thoughts and feelings that go through your head. Your own head. You see them. You don't go through them again in an experience. You watch them go through your mind. And they're not as scary because you feel detached from them. Like I can go through in a 10-minute meditation, I can go through or watch 10 different emotions go through my mind Mm -hmm. because I'm worried about this. What if this? What if this? But separate enough that I don't go through the physical sensations of it. Yeah. I just watch it and I realize how that happens all day long. Yeah. So then I'm not as afraid of all those pieces of myself because I realize that they're all kind of playing a role in sure. all of those emotions. So then so that's the two things that are happening in meditation that can help you with your own wounded parts and with someone else's wounded parts is it gives you a sense of presence because that's one of the things just to kind of throw it out there that when you are in child meaning you are wounded and your wounded parts are speaking and are really loud. If you have any capability to look in the mirror and see that you're actually an adult right now, it can help oh, you come back. Oh, physically look into Absolutely. a mirror. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Because when you're having an argument, you feel small, powerless, and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And if you have, and again, it's weird. It's not like you're going to go. Hold on. Let me in go, the go look in the bathroom mirror. But it's one of those tips where if you can see yourself. Or if you can, like, they give you a lot of tips, like wear a bracelet that
0: reminds you you're yeah. an adult. I was going to say, sometimes I, I carry a small rock in my exactly. pocket rock and in there's your something pocket. about squeezing yes. a really hard item, like a rock that came from the earth. Yes. It's just very centering and grounding for me
1: so it is a reminder to you that you're centered and grounded and safe it also brings you back into the present yeah because if you're squeezing a rock you're having to choose to do that in the present moment right. so there's a million different things you. i can have do. one other
0: thing yes uh i was in one of my tribe men's groups and we were talking about parents and there was one man in the group that really gets triggered mightily by his mom okay and he's like man I just don't know how to do it. He's like, this is so, so hard. I'm like, I know it is really, really hard. So my advice is start with the small stuff. What do I mean by small stuff? When something, when it rains, when you wish it were sunny or when it was sunny and you wish it were raining or somebody cuts you off where there's no actual perpetrator. Mm -hmm. Like I know the perpetrator in the car, like he's, or she is the person that cut you off, but you don't know them. Like, it's just easier access to practice this stillness this recognition of where you are when it when it's not somebody that you grew up with from the time you were born instead if it's you know the universe that's raining when Mm -hmm. you want it to be sunny practice with that small stuff Mm -hmm. first because that's the muscle that you need to build
1: and then on top of that like 2.0 after that is Talk to someone, a coach or a therapist, and when you say, I get really triggered by my mom all the time, no matter what she says, and I'm exaggerating, mm-hmm. wh- where is that stemming from? Mm-hmm. What is the wound? What is the experience? And it may be many different. It may not be just one. We're not. This is not about math where there's like an equation and then you find the exact pinpoint. Yeah. It can be very general. Yeah. But talking about that wounding, or talking about the reason you're triggered is because you feel like your mom never heard you, and now she's asking you to hear her, or whatever it may be. That can help you have a little more space and compassion in the moment. But if you're still trying to repress and push down all your old feelings about it, and in present time you're trying to be like, "I'm triggered, but I don't know why," and I, do, you're, there's like, there's things you can do in the present moment, and then there's healing you can do and discussion you can do with a therapist or a trained professional to help you work through where sure. it came from. Sure. So, you know, this Or you is, could
0: take this webinar.
1: Well, no, this is for therapists. This oh. is not, I don't, I and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to be, it would be like being in a math class and then trying to take trigonometry. Like there's so many baseline what things you book. need to know.
0: Throw them a book then. Okay. Um, what, what does this remind you of? I think about, of The Untethered Soul, but...
1: How about Bessel? Or what's his name? The the body
0: Oh, the body keeps the score. Body
1: keeps the score.
0: Let me look that's that a up. good one.
1: Um, body Keeps the Score would be a good one. Um, I'm t- there are so many books about being like that's where a lot of our codependence comes from. So hey, Melody these book? books
0: are good? Yes. The Body Keeps the Score: Brain, Mind, and Body in the Healing of Trauma. Bessel van der Kolk. Yes, K O L K, right? Came out in 2015. Yes.
1: Um, and also, we talked about Dan Siegel at the beginning, understand the whole brain child, which is one of his books, any of his books about how brains are developed yeah. and how trauma is experienced and how you can, even if you have, like many of us will say, well, if anything happens to my kid, then they're going to have this horrible trauma and this wounding. If, some, if a kid can be hurt, like say something happens to them, they're bullied, traumatized in some way, and they have the ability to talk about it with a caregiver who pays attention and listens and supports them, and the kid is allowed to talk about their feelings, it does not end up as a wound, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe a scar, yeah. you know, maybe it's something, it, it's not like it goes away, but they, they actually grow into adulthood with healthier parts yeah. because they were able to
0: work through something well, difficult. I think, I don't know, we talked about this on the previous podcast, but if you have a wound and you have come all the way through it, yeah. you are going to be a, what, insert your own word, resilient. leader, yeah. resilient, mm-hmm. loving, mm-hmm. compassionate, successful human being. Like mm-hmm. if you can get wounded, which we all are wounded by our world, our family growing up, and you can process through that stuff, think how powerful you would be. And
1: it will always be there, but you know, it's there right. and you treat it like a child that deserves compassion. Mm-hmm. You don't treat it like something scary that lives in the dark. You know, that's where Todd gets the language shadow, mm-hmm. where Carl Jung came up with shadow. It's something that lives in our darkness. Instead, it is A part of us that we're like, yep, that happened. And here's what I did. And here's the tools I found. And here's how I talked about it. And you don't feel ashamed of it. You don't feel shame because of it. That is why things like AA works Mm -hmm. and therapy works. And, you know, because you're talking about your pain. Um, It doesn't mean that You know, again, it's a scar. And and, and,
0: and good can come out of any bad thing. I remember in that Tony Robbins documentary, there's that woman, that poor woman who grew up in this sex cult colony thing. Yes. And she used that wound to help others with similar wounds. Well,
1: and here's the thing, Todd. We all do this. Yeah. Like, uh, the reason we choose what we choose in life Mm -hmm. is based on usually our childhood yeah. in some way shape or form and it it may show up in different ways it may not be because of our traumas it may be because of our fears or our joys but we're all kind of using all the things that we've been given and then we make choices for a career or how we can help people or volunteer work or you know activism so we are a product of our experiences. Do you think
0: that there's enough here for a whole other podcast? Or oh, no? my. I mean, as I said. All right. We sometimes at the end of a show, we're like, yeah, let's do it next week. And then we just kind of run out well, of gas or we decide. have a different idea. Yeah,
1: let's decide because I may not want to go. Like I said, there's parts of this that I'm still learning okay. that I don't think I want to teach yet Okay, um, because that. I still have to feel like I understand what I'm talking about. Um, but, uh, but we could, you know, if you guys have any questions about this, email us, if you would like us to go down a little, you know, a certain track, or maybe we could bring in some of Bessel's work, you know, about sure. the body trauma. Um, that would be so fine. So we
0: may or may not do it yeah. next week is what you're saying. Yes. Uh, Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald head of beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. You can reach out to him 6309561800 or avidco.net. Um, And we'll see you on Pop Culturing this week.
1: I know, Oscar nominations. That's
0: right. All right, guys. Adios.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe and review our Pop Culturing podcast, a Gen X viewpoint on movies and TV with an emphasis on personal growth and self-awareness. It's basically the flip side of Zen Parenting Radio. Do you want more Zen parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app.
0: Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity and healthy relationships. Go to ZenParentingConference.com to get your tickets.
1: Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to ZenParentingRadio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my three books.
0: If you ever shop via amazon you can help us out by first going through the amazon link under the support us link on our homepage. it doesn't cost anything to you but we get a small commission from amazon and guys i have a one-on-one coaching practice it's called coaching for guys you want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones we can talk in person phone facetime you choose and don't forget about tribe men's group we have a virtual community from men all over the world head on over to the tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald head of beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to AvidCode.net or give him a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.